Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of Tales from Tolt. My name is Dwayne Davidson, your host. This is a program where we discuss the fascinating and rich history of that place we call the Sonoma Valley, basically from Monroe to North Bend. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Tales from Tolt. Today, I've got a very special guest because he happens to be my dad, Dale Davidson. He's done a program with me previously where we talked about the camp that was outside of Carnation that he wrote about in his uh, a book, uh, Dead Man's Clothes. He's also written a couple other books that you can find on the Internet uh, that are uh, good books that talk about uh, some of the local history that are uh, popper books. I encourage you to check them out. Uh, the other one I think is called Breakfast at the Brown Bag. There's a third book too, right, Dad? No. That's the two? I, okay. I, yeah, just two. Uh, so there they are, Dead Man's Closed in, by Dale Davidson and Breakfast at the Brown Bag. But today we're going to be talking about my, my dad worked for the uh, telephone company. And we've been uh, talking about history industry as it affected the history of the valley. In previous episodes, we talked about dairy farming with George Bignoshi. We've talked about uh, railroads with uh, Alan, uh, uh, Alan Miller. We talked about sawmills that were in the valley with uh, Steve Davidson, my uncle, uh, and Alan Miller. And uh, telephones was, of course, a, a, was an industry. And it's one that's gone through a massive amount of change over time. Uh, Dad, when did you... Um, when did you start the telephone company in, in the Valley? 1959. 1959. I, you're I was born. That's a long time ago. <laughs> I was. I uh, uh, was the only employee of Fall City Telephone Company. Now, let's put a little bit of clarification for people so they understand. So the telephone companies were very small back in those days, or a lot of them were. In fact, how many telephone, uh, do you know, Dad, about approximately how many telephone companies were there in uh, Washington State at that time? The Washington Independent Telephone Association had 150 members. Wow. So uh, that's how many small companies. And uh, when Fall City come available, uh, the Gaines bought it. Lamar and our our engineer Earl Southworth they bought it in partnership and uh, so I was the only employee for Fall City but it didn't mean that's just where I got paid from I worked mm -hmm. on the line crew and, and uh, something that uh, oh I was thinking after I talked to you today that uh, party lines and that's interesting in itself. Um, you could have, of course, the most popular was a five party line. And so that everybody had their own ringer so that when your phone rang, it was for you. And that'd be party one was 16 cycle, party two, 30, party three was 42. 34 was 54, and 35 was 66. Well, them were all single rings, and nobody heard 
anybody's but their own. Well, to make that go to 10, you doubled up so that one in six heard their same ring, only six would be interrupted. So it'd be two rings. Is that clear? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, so it, and I can remember that uh, if, if you had a lot of times back in those days, and, and this was the case of the Davidsons, there was a bunch of them in close proximity to each other. And it was kind of actually kind of neat because if your relatives were on a prayer line and you're having a family function, they could actually hear each other's phones. Uh, uh, so you could actually, my grandparents, if they were down at, uh, at your house, uh, uh, our house for um, uh, cake and uh, ice cream and watching the latest episode of Hee Haw or something, whatever we did in the early 70s. Uh, you could actually, um, they could actually answer the phone because you heard the phones. Now, was it, we, on our party line, we were able to hear the other phone uh, rings. But we did that, we did that deliberate. We, so okay, that, so that wasn't always the case. Um, other people had it to where they didn't hear other people's rings, right? That's right. But we did okay. it uh, so that if the folks with anybody gone or anything we'd hear and we'd answer both places so i left that in for we heard dad's and they heard ours so that uh we could answer one another's phone now now what was the primary purpose dad of of uh uh, because I, I dare to say, maybe I'm wrong about this, but I'd say that a lot of people under 40 years old probably don't even know what we're talking about, that there is this party line that basically people had a shared line. And if you picked up the phone and someone was actually using the phone, your neighbor was on your party line and they were using the phone, you could actually hear their conversation, yes. um, which was really kind of uh, uh, a lot of people view that as like a huge invasion of privacy today. But they didn't just deliberately do this to be mean or something. There was a, there was a there must have been some kind of cost benefit or something, or practicality that made the phone company do it that way. Well, money was a main thing, and we were governed by the the FCC. They told us how much we could charge for our service, and. Uh, well, let's take the standard phone was a five-party line, and you only heard your own ring. <laughs> Another little feature it had was in that three minutes of conversation, a little beep-beep would come on, and you'd better hang up to cut you off. That was your warning to close that conversation, because otherwise people would lock that line up all day long and so it had automatic cutoff in three minutes uh the that phone there was 330 a month this was back in the 50s uh late 50s early 60s uh two-party line uh residential was 440 and a one-party was 550. Now a business line single was 750. So, and that didn't change forever. But um, 
because it was heavy, heavily regulated. Yes. Yeah. And you could only invest so much and you had an area to serve. And like say a new bunch of houses come along and they built, you had to get permission and they decide who serviced them. Well, one of our first jobs that they done was uh, all the old open wire. We had three cross arms, 10 pin cross arms of wire from Snoqualmie to Carnation. Well, West Coast Telephone Company, it was a lot like the railroads, they paralleled. They come in and fed half of the town with uh, West Coast Telephone. And then we were coming from the south and we had uh, Cascade Telephone Company. And Carnation then was uh, 333, Castle 3, Fall City, no, Edgewood 3, and Fall City was Castle 2. But then that's just 222, you know. Mm -hmm. But back when it was party lines, Dwayne, I could tell you not only I knew everybody's phone number in the valley. Now that might seem, you know, kind of a bombastic statement, but let's take an area, you know, like uh, Bob Andrelli's. That circuit that went out there was 412. So it's 333-412. The first house on that road would be uh, 4121. Second house would be four one two two, all the oh, way. So you up. can just you had a code you could follow and figure out who they were. Oh yeah, and so well, let's see, they're a third house for their four one two. Wow. So you could do that through the whole valley. It got a little congested, like in downtown North Bend or Snoqualmie, because then were short lines, and I wasn't that familiar with them all. But one uh, thing I, re Dad, one thing I remember about the old phone books of uh, years ago is I can remember uh, some of my farm, uh, the uh, kids that uh, grew up on the dairy farms, Richard Centers and others, they had barn phones and they were listed yep. as barn phone. And the other one you saw quite often with people that could afford it had teenager phones and they were yep. actually listed as teenager phone. And, uh, and I, I would imagine that, um, they could have been part of the party line, or if they wanted them in a separate line, they could have been on a separate line also. But those were very popular at one time, weren't they? Oh, yeah. Now, us here on Lopez was the same phony company. <laughs> no, I guess that's phone company. <laughs> they had uh, humor there. Dale, Dale and Deborah Davidson. And then it said upstairs, and then it gives the other number. That's oh. for the girls. So right under where you were listed, it's a upstairs. Wow. <laughs> well, let, uh, let's talk a little bit more about the uh, um, uh, history. of the. So there was Fall City Telephone Company that you went to work for in 1959. And they basically, there was no Carnation Telephone Company, right? Fall City did Carnation? Or is that? Yes, Fall City served Carnation. And what we done, and I was actually in on this, well, just as a young buck, what determined was uh, we were putting in a new cable and we didn't know where to end it. So we went to uh, Stillwater store. 
we negotiated with West Coast that uh, they'd pull out a carnation entirely and we'd end it. We wouldn't go any further down than uh, Stillwater Store, but we did go up the hill a ways to uh, Lake Joy and that just, but not very far. Mm. And the only reason was Cliff Davis built a house up there and he had uh, Davis Mill with a carnation number and he threw a fit to have a carnation phone and West Coast just said, ah, yeah, let him have it. <laughs> but we had to maintain that, you know. But uh, they pulled out. They were on one side of the road. West Coast was on the same side as the Stone Church coming into town, and we were on the opposite side. So when we tore all that out and put in one cable, it was really an improvement for, uh, you know, you didn't have all that cross arms of wire on both sides of the street. Then in Fall City, Fall City later, they merged and became Cascade Telephone Company, which included North Bend and Snoqualmie. Isn't that correct? Yes. And uh, they were always that way in the directory. We shared a directory and everything. The only thing was different was uh, bookkeeping. I actually got paid by Fall City. Okay. And, uh, and I guess that for the viewers, uh, we don't mean to pretend that the entire phone history started there because it, uh, we're interjecting. We're kind of coming into the story in the late 1950s. The Fall City Telephone Company and others were owned by other families and stuff before that but it's always yeah. it was kind of it was always kind of a small uh town kind of affair up until then and uh uh and one thing i remember and uh very well is that duval you know duval incarnation always always had a very close relationship of being two towns in the Squamish valley that they share a school district and everything else or they at least have since the 1940s but to call Duval used to be long distance at one time. It did. And then we put in uh, EAS, and that was Extended Area Service, they called it. And so uh, Carnation could call Duval. Falls City couldn't. Oh, so, so he granted to part of the valley, but not. But I guess lines had to be drawn at some place, right? Yeah. Yeah. And we had... Uh, we had an agreement with uh, West Coast on Carnation Farms. Uh, we had a phone in there, but so did West Coast for a long time. They had two lines. And I think mm. it had to do with their dairy or cannery or whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. We have to take a break just for a moment. So we'll be back in just a minute to continue talking about the history of the telephones in the Snoqualmie Valley. You're listening to Valley 104.9 FM, your station for Northwest eclectic music. Hi, I'm Seth Shostak, and I'm an actual scientist, although I don't wear a white lab coat. Maybe a straight jacket. I'm Molly Bentley. I'm a science journalist, and we are your hosts on Big Picture Science, bringing you the latest from the labs every week. So join us Thursdays at 6 p.m. for the coolest in science and technology, Big Picture Science. That's Thursdays at 6 p.m. right here on Valley 104.9 FM. Welcome back, folks. Continuing to converse with my father, uh, Dale Davidson, 
who has been a guest before when we talked about the camp that uh, was outside Camp Carnation, which was outside of uh, the town of Carnation. And he wrote a couple of books about that. But, but today we're talking about the fact that he, for a good many years, worked for the Falls City uh, Telephone Company. And telephone service has gone through a major change through history. They used to have a, a government-approved monopoly. Um, even though there, there was monopoly, there was still a, a, a huge amount of very small uh, phone companies all throughout the state that provided phone service, uh, that alluded to the fact that there was 150 of them in Washington State. And uh, Sequoia Valley was no different. There was a couple phone companies there. Um, Duval was served by one, and the uh, the other part of the valley, Carnation, uh, Fall City, Snoqualmie North Bend, was by another. Dad, um, you kind of had back in those days, or there was an approved monopoly for a, uh, a phone service for a particular area. About the only other company that could provide mass communication at the scale would be the railroads that had a right to do that, right? That they, they had their own transmission lines. Yeah, they did. Uh, but they were mainly uh, telegraph lines, mm -hmm. then voice. But they did have uh, voice boxes all up and down the track. For emergency purposes, because we kind of talk about history on this uh, program, talking about changes that people have seen through the ages. One thing that I really starkly remember, and this involved you in a very direct way, is that to maintain the lines in those days, and that's when, when you started off the phone company, you had uh, later on, you had more of a management position. But when you started off, you were a lineman. And back in those days, we don't, uh, well, over here in Eastern Washington, we bury all our phone lines anymore. There's practically no overhead lines in the least of Trace Cities. But, um, but back in those days, it was very common to see a guy up on the pole with a belt and spurs. And that's how you service the lines in those days. Uh, Great. And, you, and, and in fact, you were severely hurt once uh, doing that up on the lines. It was, it was a dangerous job, wasn't it? It was in some ways. Uh, Bud Lane had a bunk break on his log truck, and so half of the load come off and was sticking out and was shearing the telephone poles right off, coming down the hill there at Hunts Hill. And uh, Ludwig and I were on a pole, three poles from where the truck ended. Well, Ludwig was still up there squealing like a schoolgirl when I was down the road running full bore with hooks and belts. <laughs> when, when that thing uh, first womp, I knew it was something bad because it just really jerked that pole. Now that, that's cars hitting, it was a truck. Well, Dwayne, just uh, in 79, when I left after 20 years, there was less than, oh, a handful of phone companies uh, in the Washington state. So it, in them 20 years, it really... Consolidated. Yeah. In, and fact, I, in fact, you guys consolidated in telephone utilities eventually, right? Right. And we were even owned by uh, Portland or Pacific Power and Light out of Portland for a while. 
But a, a story I'd tell, you know, I went to school and become a master of the old 1040 switch. And it was all crossbar. And uh, when you went to school, it took you six weeks before you had dial tone. And if you took the receiver off up to your ear, 270 operations had to happen before that reached your ear to hear dial tone. And then uh, it could fail twice and still do that. You'd never know it. Well, then your first digit dialed, all that stuff drops away. So if you dialed one, it's all this guy's going to dial long distance. So they drop off everything but the trunks that were accessible for going to Seattle or elsewhere. So, but everything had to be there and up when you give them dial tone because you didn't know what direction they were going. The first digit told you that. And so, you know, I had 10,000 lines capability in a building that was, well, about three-fourths of a block. Not quite the whole square block because of parking and whatnot, but a big building. And I went to a seminar in Washington, Adam, all the time. And this was down at Tuckwilla. And towards the end of it, they brought this guy in. And there's only some of us old telephone guys still sitting around drinking beer and listening, you know. <laughs> and, uh, this guy started his talk and said that one day, near future, everybody will have their own phone, their own number, and carry that in their shirt pocket. And we bust out laughing. <laughs> where in the hell did they get him and you know I, still to this day it's a marvel to me how that works because mm -hmm. you know we had open wire and uh, you could have a couple lines cross talk so somebody on one uh, party talking away their conversation could be picked up on the Jason line well, when that happened a lot, we'd go out and put a transposition in, and that was roll the whole set of wires on that cross arm one turn, and that eliminated uh, the inside wire become the outside wire on the pin with a tramp and uh, cut out crosswalk talk. Well, good night. He's talking about hundreds of phones working at once. Right. Well, how would they ever, ever get around crosstalk? And, you know, it was just so ridiculous. that We thought, good night, we stayed there for that. <laughs> that's, that's actually hilarious. And, it, and uh, uh, I remember going to work with you as a young boy and going into that dial plant that uh, each town had. And those connections were being made by... Uh, all these different circuits that had actual mechanical means to it. So yes. they were making clicking noises and it was astronomical hearing in a small town, how much 
that traffic represented and all that kind of technology is all obsolete now. We don't do it that way anymore. We oh. have fiber optic cables and stuff, but it was, it was actually a very, uh, I mean, a lot of thought and a lot of genius activity went into make that state of the art systems at one time. Right. Yeah. Well, when uh, I didn't finish back there, but when I was, uh, considered myself an expert on the crossbar and knew it one end to the other. There was three left in the United States. Wow. <laughs> and they wow. weren't good locations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but it was a rat. But once change. it went, it went. And then you know to take uh, a building like the one we maintained in North Bend and the new phones that we have now and uh, just a bunch of cards it could put it in a clothes closet mm -hmm. so what we had and still offer way more service right so, and it uh, it was a leap and i still think it uh, was criminal to bust up the bell company because bell labs Brought all this on. We wouldn't have transistors. We wouldn't have nothing. One for their engineering. Mm -hmm. Hewlett, Hewlett and Packard. I met them guys. They're old Bell engineers. They started Hewlett and Packard in their garage down in California, making test equipment for guys like me that we could put it in our switchboard and check our trunks and everything. They were the greatest guys ever. And they were always just looking for the next problem they could solve. You know, regular, really dedicated engineers. And uh, they're no longer needed. You know, look at where <laughs> Hewitt Packard or HP, they're run by a lady nowadays. And I don't think she knows much about phones other than answering one. <laughs> so what the... Uh, um, the phone service that was a lot a lot more intense the equipment was and and things back in the old days what was the number one cause of an outage back in those days what would cause someone's phone to um what was your calls about well a major outage would usually be power power line comes down and then give us a shot into the office into the central office now Dwayne. uh I could walk in, I don't care if it was a Stromberg or uh, automatic electric. They were all mechanical, like you said. And when I come in the door, they were singing songs to me and I could hear completed call. Every one of them, rat tat tat and completed. Mm -hmm. I didn't want anybody having a radio in there because I couldn't hear that. So mm -hmm. any installers, I'd make them no radio but I could just walk into the office and sit a while and tell that hey it's running good didn't have to but you could open the door and know that there was a problem because it'd be up chucking calls and I remember when uh, North Bend we had these people uh, with the computers said you know we can put these computers in and they'll make all of your equipment wear evenly. 
where you've got 10 trunks that are getting used over and over and over again, these computers will switch that to from trunk 11 to 20 and you get even where. Well, it sounded like a good idea. And then they put these two in. Well, that was the worst experience I ever had. I had uh, calls being upchucked by the dozens. And it was these two damn computers arguing with one another. Oh, you take it. I don't want to take this call. (laughs) (laughs) And so he was transferring it over. And no, no, I've got all (laughs) I need. You take it. I had them rip them things out. (laughs) <laughs> just curious uh were you ever were you ever thrust it uh, unwantedly into the middle of an argument amongst people on a party line that were oh yeah disputes about i mean i guess they always had the option of forking out a few more bucks and getting a private line but uh i would imagine that sometimes there was some arguments would ensue about people that thought maybe someone was hogging the line or something Oh, yeah, there's a lot of that. But uh, the bad thing, we couldn't offer a private line everywhere. Or boy, we could. We didn't have the cables. You know, if it was a 25-pair cable, that's only 25 private lines. And uh, Oh, so you couldn't all. So sometimes people had to get along. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) or we'd cut them off and I'd done that before on only three times in that all the time I was in the central offices did I put in a phone tap and most people don't realize what that is the only thing it takes is a customer complaint to the local police and say I've been getting threatening calls and whatnot and they come to us well, they have to have a phone report, and then we can put in for uh, tapping the phone. Wow. Well, then there, there were several ways you could. <clears throat> you could uh, just tap it with uh, electronic that this number called this number a certain length of time. Then uh, that's how long they talk. Then you had the actual voice ones that they'd use when there was threatening calls but in 20 years I only had three taps and boy the yeah. one was was really interesting one uh i don't know if i should go into that though but <laughs> it was when they were stealing logs from cedar falls and sending them to another mill and another thing i found uh we're, we're just about out of time but another thing i want to just quickly uh say that people find strange today is back then if you really had an emergency and you could convince the operator that you really had to get through to a line that was busy because busy signals was a common when you called someone and they were on the phone you got a busy signal and if they just were gabbing away but you had like a very important family announcement to make or there's some kind of tragedy or something you could always call the operator and ask to be interjected in and if the operator bought your excuse they would actually break into the conversation and oh, that yeah. happened once and boy that was, that was startling when that happened oh yeah they did that they'd uh, put some ringing current on there that was a loud noise it was ac you know like 110 
And uh, <laughs> then they'd follow it up with, we have an emergency for this line. And people hang up right now. Wow. Usually. Well, Dad, believe it or not, uh, we've uh, reached the end of our time allotted, but I sure have appreciated being able to talk about your time with the uh, with the phone company in Snoqualmie Valley and all the major changes that took place and and uh, the uniquenesses that were involved with uh, little local phone companies at the time. So appreciate it. Thank you so much. No, you're welcome, Dwayne. Well, I'm still, folks, I'm that- still not ready to apologize to that speaker that told us everybody to have a phone in his pocket. <laughs> <laughs> Well, folks, uh, please uh, uh, join me next week while we continue to uh, discuss uh, other topics of interest about the history of the Spalmy Valley. So in uh, next week's uh, Tales from Told. Bye, everybody.